0: verses of that hymn, brother. 474. Days are filled with sorrow and care. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Let's really hear sing this with all of your heart. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. 474. one when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there a great old gospel hymn of testimony let's really sing it with all our hearts What a friend we have in Jesus. Uh, written by an Ulsterman. Let's really sing it here tonight in Martyrs Memorial. 625, What a Friend
1: We Have in Jesus.
0: a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb, and shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Let's sing this our final hymn before we have the opening hymn this evening.
2: turn with me now to hymn number 443. Thank you very much indeed Reverend McRae for leading the singing. We really really appreciate you taking the time to come and be with us tonight. Number 443 and we're going to stand as we sing be still my soul the Lord is on thy side bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. 443 The clerk of our presbytery, the Reverend John Greer, is going to lead us to the throne of grace in prayer and ask the Lord for his blessing upon this gathering.
3: Could we all bow together, please, and let us lift up our hearts unto the Lord, our eternal God and our loving Father in heaven, we bow before thee this night in thy holy presence in the name of of Thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, we approach Thee through Him, the one and only mediator between God and men. We thank Thee for His person and His work, and we rejoice, O Lord, tonight that we have access to Thee, because He Himself came into this world in the fullness of time and took our humanity, lived that sinless life, died that atoning death and rose again from the dead, and ascended up to the glory, where he sits at thy right hand, a prince and a saviour forever. We come to thee, Lord, with thanksgiving. We thank thee for the reminder in this hymn of the one who has said to his people, Be still and know that I am God. We rejoice tonight that we serve the living God, the only true and living God, the one who has revealed himself unto men in his own precious word, and therefore we know that thou art, and that thou art the rewarder of them that diligently seek thee. O Lord, we're glad tonight that we don't meet here to gather for some time of speculation or human investigation after God. We thank thee that we have thy word, that infallible book from which we are taught and guided and directed in all the affairs of life. Lord, we thank Thee that Thy Word indeed is a light unto our feet, a lamp unto our paths. Lord, let us know the reason why we have gathered here this evening. We come, O Lord, with hearts that are in many ways distressed over developments, over proposals that have been set forth by the powers that be. And yet we come to the God who is in control of all these matters, who is over the affairs of men. And we thank Thee, O Lord, that in a time such as this, when many matters are coming before us and many developments are taking place in the place of government and rulership that would cause our hearts to be distressed, we can lift our minds away to the One who is in full control, the One who is sovereign, the one who knows the end from the beginning. And Lord, we call upon thee tonight to remember thine own name, and the name of thy Son, and the truths of the gospel, and the liberties and freedoms that we have inherited as a result of gospel preaching and Bible teaching, even here in our own little land. And Lord, we pray tonight that thou wilt remember this meeting as it takes its course, Pray for thy servant, or brother, Mr. Webster, as he stands before us, as he comes to speak on behalf of the Christian Institute, and lay before us facts and details that will be for our benefit and for our instruction in these days. Lord, anoint thy servant. May thy hand be upon him. May he know the power of God in his soul. May he know the nearness of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray that what He will say to us tonight in this gathering will redound to Thy glory and be for the praise of Thy name. We thank Thee for the Christian Institute, the work that it does, the defense of matters that it uh, endeavors to carry forth. And, O Lord, we do pray that Thou will bless that organization, and Thou wilt undertake for it in days ahead. And Lord, remember us, therefore, as this meeting goes on may thy hand be with us may thy power and thy glory be manifested among us Lord we pray that thou wilt remember days ahead we pray that the guidance given tonight to parents to teachers to those who have authority over children will be of such a nature that they will gain wisdom that they will know what to do in certain situations how to handle these matters O oh Lord we pray that thou wilt hear in heaven thy dwelling place, and come and give help from thy throne this night. We leave the whole issue with thee, that it's no, Lord, all about it. We thank thee that thou dost see into the hearts of men, that dost know what's going on as men scheme and plan, and seek to foist upon uh, the people of this little province, their agendas. O God, we do pray that thou wilt frustrate their plans, and thou wilt come, Lord, and deliver us from all of these nefarious schemes that have been drawn up. And, Lord, give us deliverance in these days. O Lord, we pray tonight for a breath from God. We pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon Christ's church in this land. And we pray, O God, that Thou wilt revive the hearts of the saints, and Thou wilt move mightily among the unconverted. And, Lord, we long that there might be a great ingathering of precious souls, a mighty awakening among the ungodly. And Lord, how we pray that through that, Thou wilt demonstrate Thy power. Thou wilt show that Thou art on the throne. And Lord, we pray that society might be changed and be brought back again to the old paths, to the ways of God and of truth that we knew, that we loved, in which so many of us were cradled and brought up. And oh Lord, we were defended in our minds and in our our upbringing and all of life's journey. And, O God, we thank Thee for that. And yet, Lord, we can see the erosion taking place. And we therefore pray for a moving of God to turn the tide and to bring us back to those blessed foundations that we love and that we cherish. So, Lord, hear us tonight. Abide with us, we pray, in this meeting. And may Thy name be glorified, for we ask all of this for Christ's sake and for God's eternal and everlasting praise. Amen and amen. Hymn number
2: 462. This is going to be an offering him. And could I just say to you, if you didn't come prepared for an offering, please do not feel upset, annoyed, or worried about that. The reason we are taking up the offering is to support the work of the Christian Institute. So everything lifted tonight will go towards the work that they do to support them. They have many challenges and some very expensive cases to take on to defend God's people and the Lord's cause. And this is our way of supporting them and showing to Mr Webster that we're in agreement with the stand that they're taking. So we're going to remain seated singing hymn number 462. If you've come prepared then you can participate by contributing to the offering tonight. Remaining seated for the first part of the hymn. take this opportunity to welcome all of you to this rally. We appreciate you coming. It's Saturday night, it's a busy time and many getting ready for the Lord's Day and you've taken the time to travel here to Martyrs and to be with us so we thank you for that. Our presbytery felt that it would be important to have such a rally and we felt that the right person to ask to speak was our brother here Mr Callum Webster who represents the Christian Institute. So I want to assure you that you're welcome and I want to assure our brother that he's very welcome. We're so glad that he has been able to come tonight to speak to us. Just before I hand over to him, we'd like to thank the office bearers, the oversight here in Martyrs Memorial Free Presbyterian Church for allowing us to hold our meeting here tonight. We are indebted to everyone in the Martyrs. I just want to hand over now to Mr Webster assuring him that he is welcome and we trust that God will bless him as he addresses us this
1: evening. Mr
4: Well, thank you very much for the invitation this evening. I would like to thank on behalf of the Christian Institute, the Free Presbyterian Church Presbytery, for their kindness in inviting the Institute to present on this very serious issue facing our nation at the present time. And I will go and provide some detail on the developments In relation to RSE, but we do want to set in place the biblical context. So if you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, to Luke chapter 10, and reading from verse 25 through to verse 37. Luke chapter 10, and reading from verse number 25. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead." And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine." and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbour unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Well, may God bless to us this reading from his word. For this is a very famous parable. It's a parable that you may have even heard unbelievers referring to. These well known verses have picked up a lot of baggage over the years. And so as Christians, we need to be careful not to bring preconceived ideas to this portion of Scripture because the context here in verse 25 is a man coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and asking how he can earn his own salvation, asking how he can inherit eternal life. This man was asking about salvation by works. And when the Lord Jesus Christ pointed this man back to the law, the expert lawyer was able correctly to reel off the summary of that law in the two greatest commandments. This man knew his law, and apparently he thought he had kept that law. So the man saw himself as well on track for eternal life. But this man's view of the two great commandments was far too limited. In reality, like every one of us, this man had not kept either of these laws. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, in response to the man's question, seeking to justify himself, was to puncture that self-righteousness. The Lord Jesus Christ makes it clear that neighbor is a far wider category than this expert imagined it to be. The parable was a reality check. This expert could not earn his own salvation. He had misunderstood, he had drastically underestimated the standard he was called upon to meet. And this man had already fallen short. This man needed a Saviour, as you and I also need a Saviour. And for us as Christian believers today, these great commandments still apply. Not as a means of earning salvation, for salvation only comes to us through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But they apply as the standard by which you and I are called to live as saved people. Both our love of God and our love of our neighbor stem from God having first loved us. And so the Lord Jesus Christ makes the crucial point about the breadth of neighbor... And that is an important point for us still to understand. Just like the expert in the law of Moses, we too so often wish to place limits upon who is our neighbour, we too so often seek to justify ourselves. But in this parable, the Lord Jesus Christ shifts away the question from who is my neighbour. He makes clear the real question we ought to be asking is who can I be a neighbour to? Who can I treat in a neighborly way? And in that sense, we learn that everyone is our neighbor, not just our immediate circle of friends and family. Christian believers are called to show love to all people, to the unlikeliest of people, and even to people who oppose us. And the requirement to be a neighbor must include the many opportunities that you and I have as citizens in a nation to show love to fellow citizens. So, what is the love we are called upon to show as believers? What does that love involve apart from ministering to the needs of any victims of assault we may find on the roadsides? Well, being clear and firm on the moral issues of God's word is part of that love. Of course, loving our neighbour means more than that, but it includes that. And the Apostle Paul underlines this in Romans chapter 13 and verses 9 and 10 when he says, For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Sadly, today, there are some people who speak, even some people in churches who speak, as if love replaces God's law. But no, love fulfills God's law. Disregarding the moral law of God's word is the definition of being unloving. It is not loving to break your wife's heart or to undermine your children's stability by committing adultery. It is not loving to abort your unborn child because it interferes with your career. It is not loving to take something that does not belong to you. We cannot uncouple love from morality. Otherwise, we end up with mere sentimentality. And that is not only true for believers. It is true for all people. As any parent will know, true love includes teaching your children right from wrong. True love includes protecting people from danger. True love means speaking out against those things that bring heartache and suffering and pain. True love means saying these things even when or perhaps especially when it may be unpopular to do so. In a society such as our own, which promotes and even celebrates abortion, unborn babies and vulnerable expectant mothers are in need of our neighborliness. So too are the children and young people constantly pummeled by and sadly often taken in by the false claims of gender ideology. And so too are the weak and the vulnerable, the elderly and the disabled, and those who would all be at risk if assisted suicide were legalized in our nation. So when we see the pain, the heartache, the wreckage that comes from all of those things, how can believers sit silent? And as we look at this issue facing our province at the present time, let's not do so with academic detachment. This is a matter that directly affects our neighbours. We must not, we cannot simply walk by on the other side like the priest or the Levite. Believers are called. We're commanded to love our neighbour. And this includes taking a stand on those issues, including against legislation and government policy that brings harm to our neighbours. Out of compassion for fellow human beings, we cannot sit idly by We cannot remain silent when we see policies introduced that will bring real harm to real people in real life situations. If we truly care for others, then we must speak out with wisdom and boldness about right and wrong. So with those biblical principles in mind, let's come to look at the very issue before us at the present time. Scripture is clear that children are a precious gift from God, they're a heritage from the Lord, and it's parents who are given responsibility in Scripture for teaching and training their own children. It's a wicked thing to put stumbling blocks in the way of a child or to incite a child to do evil, and therefore sexually explicit teaching in the classroom or the promotion of false ideas about gender, ought to concern Christian believers, especially Christians who are parents. Changes to relationships and sexuality education here in Northern Ireland in post-primary schools are generating controversy. And so as Christians, we need to be informed about what is happening to pray and to respond in a wise in a strategic way. So what is the situation at the present time? Well, schools at the present time have liberty to develop their own RSE policy. The law sets out some limited content which must be taught in post-primary schools. That's already the case. But the schools develop that in line with their own policy. Their policy must be endorsed, by the board of governors of that school, and they ought to respect the ethos of that school, and parents ought to be consulted about what their children are taught in RSE. Current guidelines support the right of parents to have their children educated in accordance with their wishes. Many schools in Northern Ireland were started in history by churches, but 100 years ago were transferred to the state on an understanding that a Christian ethos would be respected. But in June of this year, the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, Chris Heaton-Harris MP, introduced the Relationships and Sexuality Education Northern Ireland Amendment Regulations at Westminster. And sadly, MPs voted overwhelmingly by 373 votes to 28 to impose those regulations. The regulations have added requirements into the statutory content for RSE in post-primary schools, and that addition to the minimum content in post-primary school RSE requires that pupils receive age-appropriate, comprehensive, and scientifically accurate education on sexual and reproductive health and rights, covering prevention of early pregnancy and access to abortion. The regulations also require the Department of Education to set out parents' rights to withdraw their children from this teaching and to issue guidance ensuring that pupils receive this education on sexual and reproductive rights and the prevention of early pregnancy and access to abortion and also that the education received by pupils be age-appropriate, comprehensive and scientifically accurate. And the new guidance must be in place by January of next year, and it will be mandatory for all state-funded post-primary schools. So there is a very real risk of activists exploiting those new requirements to impose explicit teaching and materials on all schools. Several state-funded bodies are already campaigning for this, Some of you may be aware that earlier this year, a panel appointed by the Department for Communities at Stormont publicly criticised the teaching of RSC as it is currently carried out, and the panel included representatives from the Rainbow Project, Transgender NI, and Hair NI, which is an organisation advocating on behalf of lesbian rights. And then in April of this year, the Education and Training Inspectorate, another public body, called for increased teaching on abortion, gender ideology, and LGBTQ issues in Northern Ireland schools. And in June, the Northern Ireland Human Rights Commission, within a week of the regulations being laid at Westminster, published a report calling for all elements of comprehensive RSE to be compulsory in schools here. The Human Rights Commission in their report criticized schools for teaching abstinence from sexual activity outside of marriage and faithfulness within marriage. It also questioned whether children should be allowed to express views that disagree with the LGBTQ plus agenda. The Commission's report made negative comment about two-thirds of schools in their study because they had referenced pro-life values in their RSE policies. it's not just public bodies who have been campaigning for this change here in Northern Ireland, there are politicians who have also been advocating for it. The Alliance Party has publicly welcomed the new RSE regulations and the requirement in particular, to teach about access to abortion in post primary schools. Alliance Education spokesman Connie Egan, MLA, said that she had already been preparing a private member's bill at Stormont to introduce a standardised RSE curriculum across all Northern Ireland schools. And the SDLP welcomed the changes too, stating that they had long been advocating for compulsory and comprehensive relationships and sex education. To be introduced in our schools. And Sinn Féin described the current RSE arrangements as completely inadequate, claiming that they did not address gender identity sufficiently. So there's considerable momentum for these changes, both from politicians and from public bodies here. Well, the Christian Institute is aware of schools in both Scotland and England, where explicit materials... Have been introduced into classrooms under the banner of comprehensive RSE. In some cases children have been taught that any sexual activity is acceptable so long as it has consent and contentious gender ideology has been presented as fact denying the biological reality of male and female. RSE was made compulsory in schools in England in 2020 many schools there are inviting external organisations in to take classes on that topic or to provide teaching material and lesson plans. Some of them have promoted extreme ideologies and materials. Earlier this year, Conservative MP Miriam Cates commissioned a report uh, highlighting evidence of unsuitable material and sexual indoctrination on a widespread scale in English schools and some of the examples her report highlighted are too graphic to describe in a meeting like this. But in response to Miriam Cates' report, the head of Ofsted, Amanda Spielman, warned that children were being taught sex education lessons that had no basis in biological fact. Pupils in some secondary schools in England were being taught that there are more than a hundred different genders. On the Isle of Man in February of this year, the Manx government suspended all sex education lessons on the Isle of Man and launched an inquiry after 11-year-old pupils were being taught that there are 73 different genders. And other 11-year-old pupils were given very graphic and explicit lessons on sex education. So there is a real risk that this requirement for comprehensive RSE could be used as a Trojan horse to bring in further anti-Christian ideologies or explicit materials into schools here. The new requirements state that the additional elements of RSE must be taught with scientific accuracy. So in practice, it will be interpreted to mean the presentation of information on those topics out with an ethical or moral framework. People will say, well, we're presenting this scientifically. Our religious and our ethical views are not being brought to bear. That's how many will interpret it. But it will be interesting to see whether scientific accuracy and scientific facts about the development of an unborn child in the womb or about someone's sex being unchangeable be interesting to see whether those scientific facts will be taught or will be brushed aside. Helpfully, in answer to a parliamentary question in July, Government Minister Baroness Barron confirmed that the new regulations allow for pupils to be withdrawn from education on sexual and reproductive health and rights or elements of that education at the request of a parent. The Department for Education... Is addressing this in its consultation, which I'll say more about in a moment or two. But by way of caution, we need to keep in mind that in England, parents are permitted to withdraw their children from the sex education part of RSE, but not from the relationships part. The Department of Education has launched its public consultation. It focuses on the parental right of withdrawal, and that consultation runs until the 24th of November. The Christian Institute has prepared briefings on responding to that consultation, and you should have a copy of our briefing in your pews. And those who receive our mailings uh, will receive that in the post in the coming week or two. We must also pray. Regarding this, pray for a clear and a wise response from parents, from teachers, from school governors, and from the public, opposing the teaching, the compulsory teaching of gender ideology or the use of explicit materials in comprehensive RSC. We must pray that children will be protected from the promotion of harmful practices. We must pray that the Department of Education will not yield to the extreme demands of activists and we would also ask for your prayers for God's help and protection upon the Christian Institute and all of our staff as we work on this very serious and challenging issue. So moving on to the consultation. As I've said the consultation was launched just a couple of weeks ago and it particularly focuses on issues connected to the parental right of withdrawal from the new elements of RSE in post-primary schools. You can find the consultation document online at www.bit.ly forward slash or is that a backslash nirseconsult23. And probably the easiest way to respond to the consultation is online. But there is the option for responding by post or by email as well, if you download the consultation booklet from that link. It's a basic consultation, and as well as some background explanatory material, it contains four questions where respondents are asked to select agree, disagree, or neither agree nor disagree in response to each, and there's provision made to add additional comments. The first uh, question relates to the content of teaching and learning resources for learning for life and work developed by SIA, that's the Council for Curriculum, Examinations and Assessments, should be factual and contain age-appropriate, comprehensive and scientifically accurate education on sexual and reproductive health and rights covering prevention of early pregnancy and access to abortion and these resources should not advocate or oppose a particular view on the moral and ethical considerations of abortion or contraception. Well, this question is a difficult one to answer in some ways. The language of scientifically accurate education and not advocating or opposing a particular view may sound appealing, but we need to read between the lines. We need to recognise that education on reproductive rights without a clear explanation of moral principles will amount to a pro-abortion perspective in schools. It will normalise abortion. You cannot teach about abortion in a moral vacuum. And so for that reason, we suggest answering that question with disagree. And in the comments space, it's important to point out that the moral and ethical considerations must be fully addressed as part of the balanced presentation of those opposing views. If teaching in this area simply covers the legal right to an abortion without considering the ethical question raised by the destruction of an unborn child, then that effectively endorses the pro-abortion view. Scientifically accurate education must include the fact that the baby is a genetic individual from conception with a heartbeat at six weeks. Children should at least be told that some people consider abortion to be taking a human life, and that's a view worthy of respect in our democratic society. Then for question two, it states that parents, oblique carers, should be informed about the specific nature and content of the age-appropriate comprehensive and scientifically accurate education on sexual and reproductive health and rights covering prevention of early pregnancy and access to abortion. Well, this is a fairly obvious statement to take agree to. Parents have primary responsibility for the education of their children and therefore parents must be fully informed about what their children are being taught. This has to be done well in advance so that parents have the opportunity to respond to it as they see fit, including, if necessary, withdrawing their child from that education. It's important that parents are not just given a brief description, but that they can see for themselves all the materials uh, and the text that will be presented to their children, the schemes of work, and the lesson plans. If outside organizations are being invited in, then the parents should be told who those outside organisations are and be given access to the materials that those outside organisations will be using. In the third question we're asked, the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child includes that Articles 1 to 3 and 12, the rights of the child to express their views, feelings and wishes in all matters affecting them and to have their views considered and taken seriously and at Article 5, the rights and responsibilities of parents and carers to provide guidance and direction to their child as they grow up so that they fully enjoy their rights. This must be done in a way that recognises the child's increasing capacity to make their own choices. The Department's guidance, when developed, should consider in such instances how schools balance the rights of both children and parents in implementing the Regulations." Well, we suggest selecting neither agree nor disagree for this statement. A key point to make in the comments space here is that the Department's guidance must accurately reflect the law. The United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child is not part of UK domestic law, but what is part of the law here is Article 44 of the Education and Libraries Northern Ireland Order 1986, and that order emphasises the general principle that pupils should be educated in accordance with the wishes of their parents. This is backed up by human rights law, which have already been incorporated into UK law. And if the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child is to be cited, then there must not be selective quotation from it. Alongside the articles in it that emphasise children's views the Convention clearly recognises that the family, led by parents, is the primary means of safeguarding children's rights. For example, Article 18.1 includes that parents, or as the case may be, legal guardians, have the primary responsibility for the upbringing and development of the child. Any consideration of a child's rights apart from the rights of parents must be by exception only. And then the fourth question uh, addressed is that pupils and parents' oblique carers should have access to an overview of their school's RSE policy and planned RSE programme. Well, we suggest tick the agree box to this statement and then add in the comments space that parents should not simply be given an overview of the RSE policy and programme, but they should be able to know in detail everything their children are going to be taught and everything their children are going to be shown. More than that, parents should be consulted when RSE policies are drafted or revised and be given a real and meaningful input when the school's plans are being formulated. Much of RSE is sensitive and there are a wide range of strongly held views that should be respected and considered. So that's a whistle-stop tour through the consultation document. That's all I have time to give in relation to it this evening. Uh, But if you take away with you the information sheets, they will give you guidance uh, and more detail about how to respond. The only thing we'd ask is, please try to respond in your own words. Don't copy out the text word for word uh, from our guidance sheet. Please do respond in your own words and encourage others to respond too. So just as I close, uh, you might be asking for a couple of practical things that we can do in relation to this. These issues are unpleasant, and I've sought to describe it in a very diplomatic way this evening. Uh, But these and the issues the Christian Institute deals with do affect our families. They do affect Christian believers in the workplaces and in schools, as we've seen this evening. And so as Christian believers… We need to be informed about what is going on. There are many things we can do to be informed. You can read the papers every day. You can go through government consultations on the websites of different departments. You can read the minutes of council meetings online, but most of us don't have the time to go through that level of detail. So there are easier ways to be kept informed. If any of you Don't already receive the updates the Christian Institute produces. We have in your pews left little cards like these, and on the table at the door, and also on the literature table in the tea and coffee room upstairs, there's a basket like this. And if you want to receive our mailings, you can drop your completed card into one of the baskets. I know a lot of people here already get our mailings. That's fine. You don't need to sign up again. But for any who don't, this is an opportunity to be added to our free mailing list. And those who receive the mailings already, I'm sure, will testify. They're informative, they're helpful, they do keep you up to date with what is going on. We must pray in regard to those issues. I have referred to that already, do be praying particularly about the RSE consultation at the present time, but do pray for those issues facing our nation generally. When the consultation closes, that is not the end of the matter. This issue will develop and unfold in the coming months and years that lie ahead, and we ought to pray for those ruling our nation, that they would rule in a way that protects gospel freedom and liberty of conscience, and not in a way that would undermine the family as God has designed it. I have spoken here before on First Timothy chapter 2, where believers are called to pray for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We're told to pray for those ruling the nation so that we would have the freedom to live in a godly way and the freedom to share the gospel in public. We must teach, and this is particularly important uh, for those uh, who have preaching responsibilities or those who are leading young people's groups. It's vital that. Those we have pastoral responsibility for are taught what the Word of God has to say on those world and life issues facing us as Christians day to day. We can't assume that people know what the Bible has to say on an issue, even people who attend church services. As our culture drifts further and further away from a Christian basis, believers are going to need to know not just what they believe, but why they believe it, and be able to answer the challenges eh, on the basis of the teaching of the Word of God. And the Institute also encourages people to write eh, in response to the issues challenging us, and particularly at the present time in response to the consultation. We will be sending out that guidance eh, to people who are on our mailing list free of charge. So eh, if you didn't get a sheet tonight but you want to get those updates or you want extra copies for our friends, make sure you're signed up to receive them. And do pass those sheets of information on to other Christians, other concerned parents who may respond as well. We can be sure that those who are advocating a more liberal approach in response to these issues will be responding and submitting detailed um, letters to the consultation. So we as believers must be writing and defending that which is true as well for the glory of God and for the good of our neighbor, especially for the good of our children. Thank you so much for allowing me to share this evening. It's been a privilege to be with you. As I've said, there are two literature tables. The same information is on both. One in the foyer by the front door, one upstairs where the tea and coffee room is. And I do have three colleagues with me tonight. We have Sandra and Bobby and Robert who have come along this evening to help me and they will be around the literature tables at the end. So if you wish more information and wish more sheets they will be able to provide that. But thank you so much, and I commend the work to you for your prayers.
5: I'd like to thank on your behalf tonight her brother Mr. Callum Webster and the team that are supporting him this evening in coming and speaking to us on this most vital of topics. I know that her brother and the whole institute have spent hours Up in Newcastle, I believe her brother was ensconced for a number of days this week, uh, poring over the consultation document. And so we know that the response here is considered. We know that it's structured. We know that it's insightful. And above all, we have biblical opinion being represented. Now, in some way, and this is what her brother has indicated here, the work and the struggle begins here. And he has indicated how we ought to pray, how we need to teach, and also how we need to get the pens out or get onto the computer and write and submit. So it's not enough, not enough to think that, all right, Christian Institute have done the homework, we've been able to come to a meeting like this, uh, that's wonderful, it's all done, this really is the beginning and it is going to be a battle, it will be a struggle, and every soldier and warrior of the cross is necessary. So please do help, do get involved, do take the time, put yourself about, and get the consultation filled in, and as has been said, in your own words. There is literature, plenty of it, available tonight from the Christian Institute, as indicated, out here in the hallway, upstairs as well, and also from the Christian schools in our denomination, there is literature available too, out in the hallway, and please do take that uh, before you leave. And I'm glad that her brother did say, tea and coffee, because, yeah, there's not a big McDonald's-style supper uh, on veal tonight. Upstairs we do have tea and coffee and you'll get a few biscuits as well if you're up in time. So please make your way through when the meeting is over. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the opportunity of coming and meeting together in this fashion tonight. We thank thee for the word of God that has been read and that has been announced in our presence here this evening. And we do pray that we'll not be like those who would be like the... Persons who see the need close their eyes, walk by on the other side, hoping the Good Samaritan is going to come and he will do the necessary business when the difficulty and the problems are on hand. And Lord, we pray that Thou tonight will stir up our denominations, stir up many other denominations as well, wherever the word of the gospel is proclaimed, where there is that care and that heart for the children. We pray that I wilt cause a united front to be gathered together on this vital issue. Lord, if we knew nothing about the detail and the fine detail that the Institute has been uncovering and working their way through, and we thank Thee for their efforts there, but if we knew nothing about that whatsoever, we would know the nature of this whole program by the identity of those who were supporting it. When we see the political parties have been mentioned in this speech tonight, and know the viewpoint that they espouse, know the kind of principles that they have pulled from under the feet of parents in our society already, know the kind of immoral practices that they have supported. And it's really not that long ago when some of these parties would have had men and women of a moral conscience, would have stood up on issues against abortion, against homosexuality, against transgenderism, and yet one by one the ranks have been whittled out. People have been taken out, forced to comply with the new drift of those parties, forced to toe the line or otherwise they are going to be put outside of that party, they will be denied a voice. And so we recognise where they are taking our country, where their votes have been stacked up in the past. Either itching for storm and no doubt to be reinstituted, so that they can vote, so that these measures again will be brought into the detriment of our children, and so we see here the gates of hell. We know who they are. they have identified themselves they're off their father, the devil, the loss of their father they will doom. He was a murderer from the beginning, abode not in the truth, and when he speaks. He speaks of himself, he speaks a lie, because there is no truth in him. But Lord, we are confident tonight that we're resting and we're leaning on everlasting arms. We're not depending on the arm of our flesh. We know we have a responsibility here. We must do all we can. We can but try. We can do what thy word would educate us to do, and that we want to do and promise to do before God. But Lord, we know the arm of flesh is at best so very weak. But hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? that the Lord, the everlasting Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to those who have no might, he increaseth strength. We're told, as a matter of caution, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, And they shall walk and not faint. And so we pray that we will learn to wait upon thee in prayer. That we will, according to thy bidding. And through care of our children and grandchildren. That we will listen to the teaching of thy truth. That we will put it into action in the family home. And we will influence others all around. And we will write And the little, the little we can. Lord, let us do for thy glory, for the preservation of our children. We pray that I will bless every teacher that wants to take a stand against this. May they have backbone and may we support them whenever the enemy comes in like a flood rushing against them. May we hold up one another as Moses' arms were held up by Aaron and her. May we be those that will support those in the front line and see the will of God done. Revival sweep through our nation again. Reformation be the order of the day and the glory of God. Be our uppermost desire and our highest prayer. Be with us now. Bless us in our time of fellowship together. Around a cup of tea or coffee we thank you for it. Pray that I will bless what has been provided unto our use and may we go forward as an army terrible and with banners conquering and to conquer in as far and as much as we follow the king of kings and the lord of lords onto the field and right through to ultimate victory in jesus name we pray
1: amen